someone else has already said it best. This is the best in basketball. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. The best. The best. Best, 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 best. that shit in hello and welcome to best of the best podcast with myself connor keys alongside me as always mr ronan mullen political prisoner what's your because number? of this album what's your number i don't have any numbers man <laughs> stick it to those motherfuckers shut right. up <laughs> you're That's very welcome back everybody and uh thanks so much for all the uh all the feedback and uh for all the downloading and stuff, mm-hmm. um, it's been um, it's been great. Uh, we've uh, this week our our feature, as you can guess from the intro, is Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> Toxic, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it is, of course, the one and only uh, Rage Against the Machine with their eponymous album, Rage mm. Against the Machine. Uh, eponymous. Do you want to explain that for the the Gombeans? Um, it implies. Uh, Notorious and debuts. <laughs> First of us. So yes, uh, eponymous uh, actually just means it's named after themselves. Um, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. It is. So it means epic. Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> it's epic and ominous together. Uh, yeah. So eponymous is obviously an album named after the band. Um, so this is Rage Against the Machines. Rage Against the Machine. Uh, is there a time you said that now? Uh, it is okay because it's Rage Against Machines. Stop saying <laughs> Just say Rage from there on. Rage. Uh, so yes, uh, and if you haven't heard it, um, we want you to obviously. This is our our chance to try and convince you that this is one of the best, uh, and you can maybe we'll go out and have a wee listen to it. Uh, it worked last week for the Netflix mm-hmm. for Goodfellas. I think it was Netflix was going to get a. We get a bonus royalty check. <laughs> a real peak viewing of uh, <laughs> all twelve boys in Tyrone uh, <laughs> suddenly took a notion to watch uh, Goodfellas. But uh, yeah, that's the point of this. So Rage's first album, we have uh, a- an absolute monster mm-hmm. in in all ways, yeah. um, politically, sonically, <laughs> definitely sonically. I don't think up until that point there was a sound like it. Um, Not to my eleven-year-old ears. Yeah, and and there definitely wasn't. But um, then again, I hadn't heard a while that past <laughs> Bon Jovi single and, and Public Enemy. Can't trust it. <laughs> so I was over the moon. You were doing all right. I was doing all right. But the 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 nineteen ninety-two. Um, this was released. Ninety-two. <coughs> um, band that was formed in california orange county i think um they're from they're a mishmash they're a mishmash from all over but that's yeah. when they sort of uh started performing together um we have the the the, the band members 
Somebody, I just because it was always it sounded good. I always called him Zach de la Raca because he, he rocked. Uh, well, <laughs> but uh, obviously it's not. Um, it's Zacharias Manuel de la Roja. De la Roja. Zach de la Roja. Zach de la Roja. So um, Mexican background. Mexican background. Um, Mum has Irish roots as well. Yeah, and revolutionaries yeah. on both revolutionaries sides. Revolutionaries on yeah. both sides. Da is Pedro uh, de la Roja. He's a artist. Yeah, he's, he's a political artist of some yeah. sort. He did. Yeah, he, he actually the whole cult, the whole Day of the Dead culture now that everybody knows about, mm-hmm. um, and the makeup and the festivities and whatever. He was a major exponent in putting that forward again. It hadn't been celebrated for a long time, mm-hmm. and he was one of the leading figures in getting that into the LA Mexican and Chicano sort of culture again. Yeah, so he had a, a, a big, um, a big uh, a lobbyist in regards to yeah to the, the Chicano culture, and his father was an actual Mexican revolutionary. Yes, so, so it's in the family. Yeah. Grandfather is an actual. Yeah, he's eating for fucking breakfast, like uh, you know, rebel and flat. <laughs> Heading out into the jungle for training Just, sessions yeah. for school. Uh, you have uh, so Zach on on lead vocals. Uh, well, well, I say vocals. I mean, this is a a, a rap metal band. Was the sort of terminology that was mm-hmm. used to describe them, but it, it is kind of it's it's, it's more rapping. Um, yeah, well, he he, he was a. He was pretty much he was a hardcore punk vocalist who just started doing MCing, and somebody heard him MCing with the backing of a hardcore band, but he, he wasn't actually singing them or doing that type of vocals with the hardcore band. Uh-huh. Inside Out, they were called, um, and it just spiraled from there. He was doing spoken words too, and and yeah, that's the the, the you can tell the 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 poetry background if you want to call it that mm-hmm. throughout this, uh. On guitar, you have the <laughs> the mm-hmm. fucking enigma that is Tom Morello. Very much older when he met these guys. Yeah, um, he came from outside of Illinois somewhere to be a Hollywood rock star, mm-hmm. and in the process worked for Democratic candidates and was a stripper. I've seen that somebody was a stripper uh, again just to get money, but while he was be- working as a as a yeah. as a Democratic, was it like an uh, an ad- like an ass- ad- ad- like ad- or something? Was, but but um, he had a, he has a like a political degree from Harvard, and it was there that he uh, uh, what well, he says in an interview somewhere that that sort of gave him the taste of never wanting to be in politics again. Yeah, uh, so he was the only black kid in the white neighborhood mm-hmm. he grew up in. Um, his father his was like the first guy elected to the UN for Kenya or something. He, his father was something about him, the Mau Mau. He um, yeah. he was involved in that sort of coup in Kenya, mm-hmm. whatever. And um, but then he became the first US ambassador to Kenya or something fucking crazy like that. But he left when he was one. Yeah, yeah. There's no interaction there. Um, I don't know about recently. I don't know if the guy's still alive even. But I, I know that was that was part of their sort of biography even in the early days that. Della Roja and Morello, sort of divorced parents, absent father sort of thing, but... Uh, de- well, uh, it, it always sort of strengthens the old argument that that's where genius comes from, is when through hardship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know a story I, uh, I had seen him talk about, uh, about his father was Morello ended up... His, Morello's mother was writing to his father every single year um, to an old post box, a P.O. box in, in Kenya. And never got a never got a reply 
He didn't know this until... Should I write some sad music about it? Should I get a violin there? <laughs> uh, he didn't know this until later years, and then the, uh, the mother kept writing to him, and again, no reply, 30 years. So Tom Morello's 30 years of age, on a flight with his mother to Kenya, and she says to him, oh, by the way, I've been writing to your father since he was like one. I don't know if he's here, but, and he's like, you don't even know if he's still alive. You could, you could have been dead three years after. Yeah. They get to the airport, and the fucking father turns up. Away? To meet them up at the airport, and uh, yeah, he gets to meet. So apparently he had been getting the letters all along, just didn't bother fucking replying. <laughs> I know plenty <laughs> of those boys. And I thought, I don't know, which is sadder, the fact he didn't the, have it, the, or the father was getting letters and the, went, fuck you. The two blue And the only time I'm going to talk to you is now that your partner fucking raging his machine. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so he's got that level, so that, that might explain maybe, um, they do say that, I suppose, with people from, from hard backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the level of genius is usually a higher. That would explain the mad guitar stuff. Well, the guitar stuff is pretty revolutionary. I was listening to a podcast recently with um, Adam, the guitar player for Tool, and they grew up together. Right. And Tom Rinello's mum was actually the guitar player for Tool's homeroom teacher. Right. So they knew each other really well. And he said that the, the sound he has and his, he calls it a shtick, but he says it in a sort of loving way, is the most unique thing you'll ever hear on a, a, an instrument. Like a, and he's a rock guitar player. Yeah. How he went to that sort of development with the whole single coil guitar and making it sound the way it sounds. Nobody ever r- attempted it. No. And it's been cited as a DJ using a guitar to make noises. Yeah, cause that I, it, cause I, that, that's why they have to sort of highlight... I'm looking at it now nearly 27 or is it, uh, I 27 it. years and I still don't fucking know how he's doing no. I know there's a lot of pedals and all of that but the technique he's using is just people have tried to explain it to me and I still guitar like guitar players who are really into gear uh-huh. and pedals and different this that and the other I've tried to explain it to me and I, my big fat drum head <laughs> can't compute in any way whatsoever and he's like, you just, you know, if you put like this certain flange on <laughs> and then you plug it into this and then you stick it really, I'm fuck, I don't mind. Yeah. Six pedals later, like I'm gone. I, I'm, yeah. I'm just got the headphones on listening to it. <laughs> Sounds good though. One, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> but it, yeah, it was a total, a total like, change from the norm and it needed to be something unique, but it, it wasn't the, the thing. No. And I mean, at the time you're talking early '90s music, um, quality wasn't so much at a premium. I, I beg to differ. <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, if you think, sorry, I should say, in the mainstream, what was going on around them? Um, Are you? But but you're you're implying to me then that Baby Got Back <laughs> and Ugly Kid Joe are shit. I am. Um, God fucking forgive you, Mullen. I would never, ever say such a controversial thing. Ninety two is, um, but you're talking new kids in the block. That's what I'm talking. You know what I'm saying? This is what's going on right now. Um, we obviously have the emergence of Nirvana and things like that, but yet yeah, uh, nothing. I don't think, and I'm going to be controversial enough to say this. Maybe I don't think there's been one since. What? I think the, like a band that is so overtly political, where every song. Is a politics song? No, not to that height on your first go at it. Yeah, first, first your debut album, album being yeah. that big and that sort of charge. System of a Down are a pretty politically charged band, but they had to go 
more poppy in their second album to become as to big get, as they are. Yeah, I, I, I don't mean poppy in a bad way in any way at all, but uh, uh, you're right. There, there's apart from maybe a Public Enemy album, but that didn't shake the world on its first go no. either. But this was just such a fucking bomb going off. Absolutely straight out of the bat, and and I thought Rage being Rage that the first single being Killing in the Name of yeah was they're doing but it wasn't it was the record label yeah. out. now at you think of that at the time i can't remember the the record label executive but when you've got 16 fuck you you won't do what you tell me followed by motherfucker at the end of mm-hmm. the song and you have a record label coming out going that's that's our first single well something's changing like something at that yeah. time you've, you've got the you've got the backdrop of the la riots of, LA, of rodney, rodney, king. rodney king and stuff so well the, the rodney king verdict was 92 and 92 so you've got so that you've going got all that completely around it like that's so raging it's charged it. to the fuck the name <laughs> i mean yep it, it does it says exactly what it is it's the title of a song from his previous band he didn't even write that title oh right so they've just used it because he thought it was a great title and it is that's fucking amazing. But, but it's been constantly thrown back at them right. as how can you rage against the machine when you're signed to Epic Sony. Yeah. yeah. But the whole point is it was there was no internet. This is a major platform. Absolutely. Yeah. Um and I remember a They probably quote, would be if it was today, they'd be the biggest independent group out there. Of course. There yeah. they, would, they wouldn't they would even be a record themselves. level. They would just do everything level, themselves. Yeah, you have to think of con uh, context of, of yep. where they were uh what was around them. So to have that um, fucking just boom coming out of the mm-hmm. the, the album, um, we're talking track listing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking some, what, three singles, maybe? Three monster singles. It, it didn't even matter. Um, you you didn't even know which one was a single. Cause yeah, because every everyone could have been a single, yeah. Um, for us, uh, you're talking in mid Tyrone, 1992, 93. Well... Uh, Let's let's go back a bit. Let's take <laughs> let's a wee, figure out who. Let's uh, take a wee m- Miranda around. Who who raged all over us? Nineteen ninety two to nineteen ninety three. Yeah. So tapes were being flung about. Oh, there were some tapes, sir. Copied tapes, Max L, Sony, mm-hmm. and C nineties, C nineties, only C ninety man. I want to tell you, I had a few old C sixties. Now I'm not going to lie, I didn't have as much money as the rest of the boys. Like you can get them in the four four pack. Aye. That's the pocket money. Pure dream, like oh. So, and you had to make sure if you were get if you were using one of them, better not be that out fucking new kids on the block. The Probably boys right. used to do as a joke and then write like faith in the moron, and you get new kids on the block. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had that. And you'd be dumb as fucking you because you're ten, and you'd listen to about half an hour going, "This isn't faith in the moron." Like. That didn't happen to me, right? No, anyway, it never happened. Yeah, we're going to big school. Mm-hmm. So you go to secondary school. Well, you're already there. You're a year older than me. <coughs> I'm one. I'm first year. Yeah. So I'm I'm P seven. I hadn't heard Rage until maybe ninety three, early ninety four. Well, you're still. I mean, that's no ninety three is pretty because I heard it at a disco. What? <laughs> oh, my youth center disco, disco ninety three. Oh, my youth center disco, fucking oh, place to be. And they were playing. They didn't. Who's responsible for that? I gonna. I'm trying to think. Uh, who it was that fucking harangued the DJ to make sure it was played but as a joke like he didn't know or you see here's the thing you gotta remember our age right so you're talking oh I remember my yeah 1993-94 you're you're 12 13 mm-hmm. when I heard fuck you I won't do what you tell me that was 
You were that was me to my ma. I'd be cleaning my room. There was no fucking... This wasn't about any revolutionary fucking socialist fucking ideals. This was, fuck you, ma. I'm not cleaning my fucking room. That's pretty... Do you know what I mean? There was no... That's all it meant to me at that stage. There was a curse word in it, and it was like... Well, there was a curse word in it. Fuck you to the system. And but that it was system also was my man. <laughs> you know what man. I mean? There was no... I, I didn't yeah. see the political uh, insights to it at that age. And anybody... If you say you did, you're, I just know you're full of shade. Um, it's just... It was, it was just almost novelty when you're that young because of the swear words yeah and it's not until you get older you realize holy fuck well i joined what the that was. the day that i heard the album because i was so politically moved mm. i seen you up there with your with uh, the berry on the berry on and your fist up holding up a big pa- picture of a boy i'd never met outside the courthouse i'd say the court just me and my own <laughs> throwing shorts on <laughs> one sock up one sock down horn blower just walking past <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is my funny story from back then. We were in school, and the controversy that surrounded uh, the first time Raising Some Sheen were played on the radio, uh-huh. and Bruno Brooks That's right, Bruno accidentally Brooks. played Bruno. the full version of Killing in the Name, including all one million fuck yous and motherfuckers, <laughs> and the only only four actual lines of lyrics, lyrics yeah. which they never printed in the liner notes of the album I, I always thought that in later years when I got the CD you would, would, one, what, it would like, just be it looks stupid so they just did more putting it in that was just brilliant but uh, but the rest they're all printed yeah every other but just underneath just and the killing name of it and blank, blank. Space, fucking brilliant so Bruno Brooks accidentally just lets it go and it plays yeah he played the uncensored he version he played yeah. the uncensored version so that was <laughs> massive controversy like on the sex pistol swearing on TV level oh, of yeah, it was controversial yeah so, it becomes the name, and now you can't underestimate what Connor had said. We're in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and everyone that I knew knew who this band were. Now that ranges from people who were into that type of music anyway, mm-hmm. to boys that weren't, mm-hmm. who come in the bus and I still think, covered in shit. I think, and I, <laughs> I think them boys even knew. <laughs> oh fuck! I a few fun bars knew over that. So but them boys, right? But but do you see? We gotta give the context of the music scene, if you want to call it that, in Oma at that stage. Oh, Jesus! I remember in in secondary school there were two categories. Yep. You were grunger. Yep. Or raver. That's it. That's it. No. Now, grunger didn't mean you only listened to grunge music. Grunge didn't mean you could listen to anything with a guitar. Mm-hmm. That could be from Rod Stewart to Meatloaf, yep. <laughs> to Oasis. Anything was you were grunger, and then everything else was just techno. Yeah. You were a raver, so there wasn't really much. Um, Variation now, there's fucking 47 different labels and different fucking uh, yeah. categories that you fit into, but at the time, there were just two, uh, and there was no distinction. The, the, the spectrum of either side <laughs> it didn't matter. Uh, I was on the milder side of the spectrum, you'd be on the heavier side, obviously. It's your well, I love I, for thrash metal. I never, I never had a penchant for the l- raver, no, never liked it. I liked their women, yes. And most of their guys were like your best mate, just like a yeah. boy you were in school with and all right, man. And then you get out of the weekend, we're like, "Fucking river monsters." <laughs> but like every, there was guys I know who traversed both. Oh, I oh, in and out I of both without oh, with genre hoppers. Oh, still I. good friends who had yeah. no bother gonna. But had costumes for different types of events. Yeah. So they had the the, oh. the long fucking leather jacket for the gunge night, and then they went out with a fucking. The, the puffed up fucking naff jacket. They had the intelligence jacket and the, the that's right, that's Chili Peppers t-shirt under it. <laughs> and them guys still exist and they still listen to all that stuff and that's great and that's the way it's supposed to be. But back then, 
Uh, at our age, at I, I our should age, say at our age, yeah, because we didn't then, understand. I mean, that you could like both. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was no understanding that you could realize that a Friday Saturday night could be a techno night, but yeah. the rest of the week could be rage. We were like, you had to listen to one or the fucking other. Which group? We listen up. Remember, somebody graffitied it on the Grange, on the curb in the Grange, about um. One, a guy in Omega getting beat up, a grunger getting beat up, and they wrote Ravers won, grungers no. Because <laughs> <laughs> of a drunken fight at the bus depot. Drunken fight, that was the two categories. That yeah. was it. So, in Omega, there's a bus depot where everybody congregates after school. Used to, in our day, it was way bigger. Like, everyone was getting the bus. Now, like, every 16 year old has a car. Hmm. It's still pretty hectic down there. I have to go out past it every day. But is it. it as bad as when we were going there? No, I actually have a picture of me, you, and Neil Donnelly. Because we're not there, but yeah, that's not as bad as that. But no, it's uh, it's it's still it's so still because what else? What it also is now is the meeting point. Well, well, for it, the it sort of was there the too. Yeah, because yeah. me and you weren't getting the bus. No, we were there. Yeah, you know, we when there was loads of people I know, and you would just congregate there. So anyway, one morning, a guy I know from Berra comes in and goes, "We hear the crack, lad." I said, "What?" And he goes, "No, that ragey, ragey machine thing you like." I was like. Rage Against the Machine, he goes, ah, the boys are listening to it now. I was like, what boys? He goes, the boys should carry more. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, man? He goes, I just, and straight away, my brain's like, because it's politically charged. <laughs> He's like, no. It says that they love Bobby Sands in the fucking album. And I was like, fuck away <laughs> off, man. The boys were going, turn off that old fucking grungy shit. And then somebody went, Bobby Sands is in the fucking liner notes. And they went, there are. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even know where they were from. I've listened to a, yeah. a note, and and I mean it is. Uh, he was uh, cited in the liner notes as an inspiration, yeah. uh, along with many other uh, political Loads revolutionaries of, yeah. all the, all across the world. But yeah, <laughs> you can see that it, it finally permeated through the Carrick War because uh, Bobby was there. I mean, I think, like I said, for me it was that sort of rebellious thing. The fuck you want to tell me from killing the name of? But then you get other. Uh, other songs and other lyrics that come about that realistically are fucking uh, well I don't know if they're light years ahead of their time or if they were just they were so bang on they knew exactly what they're talking about but it still also applies to today mm-hmm. you know it's just um and I'm thinking of Bomb Track um, open song s- yeah you've got it kicks off with this you know what I mean so you've got a line that said um I warm my hands upon the flames of the flag to recall the downfall and the business of the burnt us all. See through the news and the views that twist reality. Enough, I call a bluff. Fuck manifest destiny. 21. He's 21. <laughs> he's 21 years And that's age. him ripping. And he's just tore the whole political system apart. And uh, that's your opening fucking track. Yep. Also one of the best intros to the song. Mighty. I... I, I <laughs> I mean, um, now that we know uh, we don't care about uh, any royalties and stuff, can we play it? Can we are we allowed to? I play the intro. I would play the intro because um, when you have, I had used it in a, in a play. Um, what? <laughs> I used it in uh, one of my shows. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. You're a playwright. Mm-hmm. Well, Hold on, let's get this. So, but so I I used it because um in the play the characters are going to oxygen. To oh, and it's in the and right, raising okay. his machine are playing live at oxygen. So we used it in the uh we used it we used bomb track in the um in a scene and then we used uh killing in the name of live footage in the backdrop. You know, as if they were live at the concert. Maybe. Um. Shit! Did I see that? No, I didn't. I didn't see that one. 
No, that was, I think it was the first one. Yeah, I missed that one. But we're going to take a look and see if we can hear. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's the only thing I know how to play in the guitar. Early. <laughs> but this is your... This is the opening track. And you can feel that build up like... Oh, fuck me. Pants cleaned that is instantly. Just, what the absolute fuck? Eleven. That? Yeah, that's it. Game over. And and there is no better word to describe it than rage. No, that just sounds like it sounds yeah. like pure absolute and adulterated rage. One of the songs that was recorded live. So yes, let's bring it to the album. This is what we're here to do. So you're talking um, the producer, Garth Richardson. Always in the albums is good, good Garth Richardson because he's a stutter. <laughs> That's where GGG that's him <laughs> it's his own he's happy he does himself uh, so he he set up a, a unique system and I think obviously they realised that the best way to capture this rage is to have them playing live, live. yep so if uh, from all accounts he set up a, a concert rig like a PA rig inside a venue got them set up to play live and recorded this pretty much as as is um for at least eight of the songs are recorded live in yeah. front of friends. Like there's people, uh, there's, there's people, people there sitting there watching listen, them yeah. play. But it's in Sound City in Los Angeles, which is a really famous. Nevermind was recorded there. Yeah. Um, and hundreds of other oh major God, albums. So many but, masterpieces um, in there. Th- it's recorded live there, and it's in the Sound City documentary footage of them recording it. Right. So you can see them. And oh yes, I remember seeing it. Yeah, yeah. They're kicking off like mm-hmm. they're properly they're probably playing like, yeah. to an audience. Yeah. Um. Now, as I was reminded this week, it was notorious that Brad Wilk, the drummer, mm-hmm. um, used to play with his back to the crowd. And even in Dublin and Ulster Hall, 93, when they played here, he played with his back to the crowd. Right. On the riser. Uh-huh. Um, but of course, he recorded the album face in front, and all of a sudden it changed. They had to turn around the other way because so many people were complaining that they couldn't mm-hmm. see the drummer. But then musicians were going... This is amazing getting to see a drummer play from behind. And what was the reason? Just to be awkward. Just to be awkward. Yeah. Uh, do you want to maybe we we covered Tom Morello and, and Zach, but I mean, yeah. do you want to really go go on to the drums before we sort of get into the production Brad, and things? I mean, Brad Wilk. Um, since you are a drummer, allegedly, is one of allegedly <laughs> is one of the uh, unknowingly unknown to me. He just sort of permeated into my drum style. He's mm-hmm. one of the ones that I automatically think of well pretty much like i've said before and other ones i do see a stance on you and the, him the way yeah but it's sort of like if you can mix up stephen perkins from james addiction and chad smith and brad wilk all those three just go through my head daily mm-hmm. of what they do i'm not as good as any of them but what i'm saying is i've heard it and i can repeat it back that's, that's your influence anything like, that yeah. brad wilk has done mm-hmm. i've pretty much thought of playing I could right probably it. give it a good rattle if you give me the fucking five minutes to look at it again. But his style of playing was what Tom Morello said was the gel. Because Timmy, see, Timmy Comerford, the bass player, is such a fucking sturdy bass player. Mm. He holds the whole show together when Morello is out. Oh, and he's, when he's gone, like, yeah. He's fucking grooving away. He's still got it. But the drums hold that whole thing together. And it's a sort of point I always wanted. A lot of people have made the point that they were never, they were friends. But they didn't meet up after work, like, 
know that sort of way? Yeah, they weren't. Yeah, it's not a prototypical band like that. And it was run even from after the debut album came out. The rumors were now these weren't internet rumors. These were right, somebody yeah. had to actually have seen it and They've repeated it, it happen, back. Yeah, yeah. There was rumors that these people didn't really get on, and they were on the verge of breaking up every year since they started. <laughs> so when they did eventually break up, it was mm-hmm. no surprise to anybody in the industry. But of course, it's fans are gutted because you want to hear another rating. You know, yeah, yeah. But Brad Wilk, uh, by all accounts, and I personally agree with it, was what held the whole thing together. And then you get on to Timmy C the bass player, mm-hmm. who, like I said, was so... It, it, the, the sound you think you're hearing is him. Yeah. You thought it was a guitar, a second guitar, like an overdub. No, no it's him. It's, him. Yeah. it's his sound. Mm-hmm. And the guy is so good. They're all really, really good. And if you take that rhythm section of the bass and drums, I mean, mm-hmm. it does give Morello that freedom because he did go off on some he, fucking mad yeah. tangents with sounds and noises. And then some of the solos were fucking yeah because he's constantly experimenting. He's experimenting mm-hmm. as he's doing the licks. Like it's not you know it's not uh, every live performance or something different going on there. Yeah. So, uh, so the production of the things and and it has to be. It can't be a coincidence that they set it up as a live PA performance and then it sounds so fucking ferocious. I don't know if you would have got that energy with Zach sitting in the fucking. Eight by eight, yeah. fucking fo- uh, booth. You know what I mean? And I, I could, you can see him. You can nearly see him in the in the the oral fucking mm. level of him jumping about the place. You know, so uh, did they do it again? I didn't check to see. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, I think they did it pretty much in every recording they played live. But in that one, it was more special because I think they'd only been together for like less than a year. Was madly, and they hadn't even played a live show yet. And that album mm-hmm. is what you actually hear is one of the one of their first live performances, and it's recorded, Man. and it's fuck yeah. It. Imagine that being your your first live performance. <laughs> I know, like, it's where do album. you go from there? Like, but they only got better. And as is stated in the album notes, there's no drum machines, there's no synthesizers, there's nothing. Yeah, I love that. It's when just the four. There were so many things in them liner notes that I loved. That, yeah. that the Bobby Sands thing, the, the Nuller it's just a weirdness. It's just, uh, 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 now you can totally understand it. But at the time, it was like, what the fuck? Why? Do they? But not even that. It's just, again, this is you can't you can't describe it to anybody younger today and no one when there was no internet. And you're thinking going, these boys are from California. Oh. And they know about Bobby Sands. Oh. Jesus. You want some sponsoring with the <laughs> What's so, that on in the background there? No, again, even by the time I probably got to, you know, 15, 16, you totally understood what was going on. But at 11, you're going, Jesus, fucking know. Bobby's hands. Like, what the fuck is It's he? pretty crazy to think about and, now. Like, you know, I didn't. And like 11 years now. <laughs> at, 11, at 11, I'm going, Jesus, I didn't even know Bobby played guitar. Bobby. <laughs> I thought he was dead. Uh, so, I mean, we... we we, it was a culture shock to us. A to big culture that. shock. Yeah. There was a reference but to our country. There was a sound we've never heard before. There was a mix mash of... Are these boys real? There was a, this is 1982. There was a lot of sneaky swear words. There's a swearing on? No, there's a cursing and all. We sneaky fuck off. No. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off! No, that's not... That it's definitely was a sneaky one. You actually went off the chart there in the Zoom. So anybody <laughs> that just got tinnitus there... From Ronan, we do apologize. <laughs> it's um, 
It's a loud episode, Connor. It is. It's a rage. Full of rage, boy. That's me raging away there. <laughs> Fuck off! Uh, a lot of reference to killing the name of and, and bomb track being the opening track. Uh, you have also then uh, another sort of, if you want to call it a single, I suppose, in the sense that it came with a music video. Um, Bullet in the Head. Another uh, absolute stomper of a track. Mm-hmm. Um, with the same formula as, as before. Um, but they're talking, you know, they're, they're really, uh, really hitting home on the political state in America, that thing, that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, reception wise I mean uh, when they first came out with Killing the Name America didn't take them on so they didn't no. get to play uh, it wasn't played in any uh, radio stations MTV even didn't play the uncensored version or the censored version they didn't play it uh, it was Europe that, that it was pushed Europe. it yeah, yeah. So said of, yeah. it was quite embarrassing for the record company because they pushed it so hard in home turf mm-hmm. and it wasn't really kicking off over here they were pretty much nearly the headliners of European festivals yeah. and in America they were supporting House of Pain yeah, well so it wasn't, and they were way low, low enough down on the Lollapalooza bill that was pretty big, and they were getting bigger. Mm-hmm. So they should have been America, much more noise. But America Europe has that; they they have a history of doing that. They did the same with Hendrix. Yeah, Hendrix didn't make it big to the game here. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Kings Leon, same. But we could have done without that. Um, I thought you were into the Kings Leon. I was into the first two albums. That's probably where I stopped talking to you about it. Aye. Uh-huh. Um. Anything after that now has been a bit wanky. I've seen them like three, four times, and I just went, I could have been at the house here listening to the CD. Really? It's exactly the same. It's boring as fuck. Aye. Never seen anything as boring in my life. No fun there. No. Uh, but again, same principle, they didn't make it big until they came over here. It was something about here that got what they were trying to do and whatever. Um, so the same thing happened to Rage, and, and it's never... I don't think they ever got as big as they should have done in America. Well, they they were pretty big, but they were all an alternative band yeah. and a group of alternative bands who were just changing the world at that point. Mm-hmm. But to us... Oh, to hear... Yeah, they, we didn't hear anything like that. They, they were informing no. us of things we had no yeah. idea, uh, you know, at our age. Not being ignorant, it's just you had no vision of something like that in your life it was nothing well that's what it is and you're hearing things like even the song titles take the power back you're like mm-hmm. oh, I'll fucking take it by I'll fucking um, wake up you know there's yeah, this, it's, like it's, it's freedom yeah like <laughs> what the f- it's uh, it probably wouldn't look out of place in the fucking track listen of um, the Irish Brigade if you transported the fucking track listen of Raging His Machine um, to an Irish Brigade cover Think of the first track. Do you know, it's <laughs> in between Johnny Ra and the Ratones. <laughs> Take the power back. Take the power We're back. Like, oh, uh, killing the name of Era. <laughs> <laughs> but it's. It, I mean, it re- I mean, it and does. Here's, it does correlate. You can see another, why the link. Yeah. This is another link, and it's another t- tale full of fucking lies. Because <laughs> I was told when they played in Luster Hall in '93 by loads of different people. All of who have denied it <laughs> recently, but they did tell me it at the time that there was a riot in Ulster Hall. Right. Della Roja hung up a flag uh, that had a load of uh, Republican sentiments written on it. Oh. Uh, the police were called. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a riot afterwards, during, before, mm. the whole, all lies. What actually happened was Della Roja made a statement about police officers. Right. That was it. <laughs> that was all happened. 
<laughs> they played their gig. If you go on the set lists from uh-huh. Ulster Hall, they played the whole gig. Uh, nearly identical set list in the night before in Dublin, which is their first time in Ireland. Uh-huh. And there was no controversy at all in both gigs. They just turned up, played the show, went on to England, wherever they were going. Imagine. But it was That's just that they were so... Because, because it, it was it's so almost massive. Like, well, it was almost, this is what you would expect to happen. Yeah. Because, and I believed because, it. Because of, what? They, because of who they are and what they're doing. You're like, oh, that fuck, that sounds like I'm all right. Hey, and I was doing do. like you, Reservoir Dogs. I was running about <laughs> Tell telling <you>. everybody <laughs> that Rage Against Machine are in the Reb and <laughs> the whole Belfast burnt down. And every, everybody's now a Rage Against Machine fan. That's where it all was. Lethal. Tom O'Morello. Tom Omarello. <laughs> uh, so, t- uh, apart from uh, Rage Been on the Ra, um, still are. <laughs> still are. According but to some words. You can see, definitely, as I said, there's definitely links there in regards to the, that, that notion of um, revolutionary, if you want to call it that, revolutionary politics. I mean, their whole thing was the sort of. Uh, anti-capitalist yes it was uh, inspiration view, of revolution like you said earlier was quite ironic when you're yeah. fucking saying this only or whatever um but they they still uh they still still did things that were what else you want to say controversial they would have been at the time i'm thinking of the mtv awards when they would your man went off the fucking rails and yeah hung off the stage zach just didn't want to take the award or something and just no no they 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 didn't win oh they didn't win uh, they performed at oh, the show and he went to okay right and it was in whatever category that Limp Biscuit were in and Limp Biscuit won I knew somebody was on stage and he was above the scaffolding so the director of the video uh, oh it was best rock video right the director of that particular video Sleep Now in the Fire was Michael Moore the documentary alright okay so Michael Moore was sitting beside Timmy C and he, Timmy C turns around him and said if we don't win this I'm going to climb up on that big thing <laughs> in the stage and Michael Moore says yeah we're going <laughs> without telling De La Rohan Morello who are the two sensible political heads or Brad Wilk and he goes up and does this and he hangs on this metal I beam. thought it was De La Roja there yeah. I thought it was no no it was Timmy C oh, right, but okay. then he gets arrested after it and it's a bit embarrassing because Racing Machine don't want to be at the MTV Movie Awards anyway yeah they don't want to be in categories with Limp Bizkit and Papa Roach and all these no. people because they're not their contemporaries at all not even close so to De La Roja he is mortified <laughs> and it sort of leads to the end of the band yeah uh, that you can see the sort yeah. of the, the downhill spiral if you want to call it after that but um, before that another they've done a lot of things that are pretty much controversial but the most public eye one mm-hmm. was uh, before they came to Ireland they were playing Lollapalooza mm-hmm. and came out on stage with the, their thought we we Jackie boys out oh lovely with uh, their mouths taped and the letters PMRC written on their chest, totally nude. Uh huh. And um, the John Thomases were out. Jesus Christ. Ball fluff, the whole shebongan. The whole lot. Were they raging? And they stood there <laughs> for 15 minutes uh, and didn't play anything. Uh, now, this was a major political, they didn't play themselves, Connor. I'm just laughing. I know you were fucking, I could hear your breath. Oh, hear. oh, Jesus. And it was uh, a, a protest against the. Parental music research. Yes, a, a, the thing that puts the but parental advisory sticker on the CD. Yes, and was there? Is there? I think it's Morello's mother or somebody's mother is on the parents for rapping. Yes, uh, rapping was it rapping? Rapping rock, I think. Rapping rock, maybe. Parents for rapping rock, so mm. to stop censorship. You know, yeah. so you've got <laughs> you've got both sides coming at it, uh, and they. 
I mean, they, they they obviously had to put the parental advisory logo on this album. It was on the album. And uh, it was at that era where you're talking Guns N' Roses with their. It was yeah, mid to late eighties. This was going on. It was, it was your man. Oh, Tipper Gore, Al Gore's That's wife. Right, Tipper Gore, yeah. And she was big into. They mentioned Satan. Yeah. And then the minute that happened, the and there was a list of songs and albums that were like the filthy whatever, and like Frank Zappa and all these yeah. guys went to. And there's nothing better for what we know now. It's a major else. publicity boost. There's nothing fucking better but than somebody time, taking a load of your albums and burning them, then yeah. videoing it, and then putting it out on national TV. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> thanks very much. Yeah, I've just sold them anymore. Yep, cheers. And they... Th- so they all bought them ones that they're burning too. Yeah, you had to buy them to burn them. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was it was a major... For for us, you, and, and people that were like in commercial sense, mm. they were going, you've just advertised that band. Mm-hmm. But for them as artists, they were saying, you're saying that we're limited now because you've put a sticker on our album. Yeah. Limiting us. Enabling us. In this day and age now, uh, we don't get the good old album burning sessions you get anymore. You can't really burn a, a, a digital burn. file. So is that is is, tw- is fucking cancel culture just basically the CMRC? CMRC is like a, it's like the a uh, the Christian internet mothers. version of a load of Christian mothers getting around and burning albums. Nice. Why can't we all just listen to John Cougar Mellencamp? <laughs> Poor Who also ended up breaking protest songs in because of all this? Because of all this, yeah, yeah. Jack and Diane fucking took up the flag, boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so again, uh, they have, since then, obviously, as we talked about there, they have um, broken up. They they released three more albums. Two more albums of uh, album record, or of studio records, of but then a cover. Cover of, or album of covers. There's a live album too in there, but basically, it, it's hard to know because Del Roja and the guys don't really talk about their internal yeah strife they're all friendly they mm-hmm. all get on mm-hmm. they all know the benefit of when them four people are in a room mm. it's fucking petrol bombs like so yeah magic but, happens you know, yeah but but th- what i heard was after the covers album came out the guys weren't happy with it being released they just wanted to record covers and then maybe play them live or have them on singles or give them out to fan clubs or whatever you know mm-hmm. but the Record, but my point in that is you don't hire Rick Rubin and go in and do it, doesn't happen in an hour. It would have been days of recording that stuff yeah, yeah. to not go, Well, that's going to come out as an album, isn't it? And then they did it like an anniversary of the debut, which yeah. I bought, and it is good, and there's good footage and stuff on it, but it's not one you haven't heard before. No, it's I all mean, the original demos and stuff. Well, that's the thing you listen to uh, an original demo, you want to hear something vastly different. Yeah, to, but it's not because of the nature of them being recorded live for every track. They yeah, did. absolutely. It just sounded like another take, yep. and it wasn't anyway. You know, I love actually hearing demos and and seeing like the seed where it started, and you sort of, and then when you listen to the original or the the actual release, then you're going, Jesus, the difference, the, the evolution. You can see how it changed mm-hmm. <laughs> for these demos. There was no difference. No, no. we a different Except audio. The only thing it. that was worked on was Delarue's vocal. Okay, your boy Gareth Richardson and a few other engineers and stuff really honed his voice mm-hmm. and made him sound like he sounds now. He was a wee bit whiny. Yeah. In the demos, it was a wee bit, uh, and not, uh, uh. so <laughs> you were, you were sort of, you heard that it was worked on, but the music was basically, yeah. basically, basically exactly, exactly the same. same. Yeah. Um, uh, exactly the same. So the legacy then of their, after they, they split up, uh, they, they, they don't appear for a, 
quite a while. They all go and do their own um, their own things. Uh, Morello more a lot of solo stuff. Morello yep. more um, prolific than all of them maybe. Um, yeah. So did he go straight to Audio Slave? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which uh, what a fuck. Well, they all did. They all did apart from well, apart from yeah, which uh, was this is the an inadvertent fuck you. Absolutely. If you they if pull you can, in, gone ahead. I know where you're going. So the three of them, yeah, the three of them left. Um, and this is the thing. The problem with Rage is that you've got that split. You've got the front man who brings all that energy and all the political sort of statements and the 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 raw lyrics are fucking unbelievable. But then the other three are a complete unit. Yeah. An absolute solid unit together. They going, are, they we are. will do everything together. Um, so when they leave, it's a as it, you know, as you say, it's a big fuck you to the lead singer. Going well, it was sold as Rage Against the Machine was over. Zach left, so we had to just move on, mm-hmm. and we just inadvertently hired the best <laughs> alternative rock vocalist yeah. on the fucking planet. Oh Still man. to this day, the best rock vocalist. Oh man, yeah. they just happened to bring him in, and. If that's not a fuck you, then oh what? And then they got him live to do racing scene songs. So he was oh, he was happy to happen. This is the thing you see. So that you you went from the scale of like I said at the very start, there were no actual melodies with Zach. It was more, it was more rap. No. to go into Cornell. Yeah, with fucking who's the rubber plant of our generation? Oh, and fucking just, the notes he's hitting and things is just unbelievable. And then their first video. Uh, for Cochise is on top of a scaffold with fireworks, fireworks in yeah. front of Los Angeles <laughs> directed by Mark fucking Romanic. Oh man, it was a And and the Razor's Machine notoriously didn't work big on videos. Yeah, didn't like videos. And like these boys leave and go straight to right, fireworks. Bang bang Hollywood <laughs> production bang bang bang. Oh Jesus. Uh yeah, so even uh, internally they are always great at doing a, a fuck you. Yes. Uh we then I mean the album still permeates, it still reaches Usually uh, really top does. fifty lists of of anything, um, mm-hmm. usually especially of rock. Uh, the they then go into like a, a reforming. Well, there was a, a number. I think Morello actually did a lot of solo projects outside of Audio Slave as well. He was doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. But they reform. Did they reform because of the X Factor no. pop idol thing? No, it was already happening. Yeah, yeah, because they played a Coachella. Yeah. And I think it was just they were all a bit older, a bit older, a bit more mature, and maybe I got over like the sort of stupid riffs that were uh, riffs, I should say, yeah, that were happening. Uh, they and and I can't remember the year, but I know they played Oxygen in two thousand eight, uh huh, because it was there. Um, yeah, but it w- was it actually two thousand eight because you were there? It was, yeah, you know, because the dreaded year was 2009. <coughs> oh, that was the, oh, right. Oh, yeah, so you have, a, you have a major plot point? Oh, I have a marker. Plot point. I have a okay. marker, yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll not go into that. Not uh, today. Not today. <laughs> That's for uh, never. Uh, but, yeah, for me, I mean, I obviously in 1993, when they played Ulster Hall, I wasn't at the fucking gig, nor was I ever going to be no. allowed to be brought to the gig. I only know one person who was at it. Yeah, so for me, in 2008, I couldn't fucking believe they were actually going to play live um uh so that's so that's when i know that definitely whether they reformed in 06 7 or whatever they got to ireland by 2000 okay. and holy fuck Aye. everything you would expect it to be uh, from every uh, video i've watched of any of the performances unbelievable that the finsbury park dvd which we'll get to in a minute mm-hmm. that, uh, it's incredible like, yeah and it was, like, it was exactly like that at oxygen because there's you no know, oxygen uh, which was um Used to be Witness Festival, but it's a music festival in Ireland, and the place just full of full fuckers. 
Everybody. Everybody's drunk. Everybody's fucking off their heads. And the fucking chaos at the front of that gig. <laughs> now, the joy is I'm built for mosh pits like, like yourself. And uh, I had a fucking whale of a time. A couple of other young cubs from Carlo didn't fare out too well. But uh, the level of... The level of... Um, the level of chaos with that gig I haven't witnessed since <laughs> before or for since. their gig for their at, just All that right. slot uh, it's a music festival so it shouldn't be uh, it wasn't a rage show but um, everybody wanted to be there so I think every other poor bastard uh, who played at auction 2008 suffered because they well, were the only ones anybody wanted to see you were right it was 2007 when they got back together it was 2009 when the campaign started but the yeah I knew 2009 was that so, so yeah, um, you're right so 2008 was, because um, Action 09 was my last oxygen, and <laughs> um, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. And then we go into um, the sort of run-up to September, October of, of 2009, where out of the blue, some some radio DJ and his wife yeah. decide to set up a Facebook page that more or less says we're fucking sick and tired of the X Factor. Uh, should we all together as a society <laughs> say fuck you to the X Factor and uh, get raging as the machines do with killing the, the, the ultimate fuck you song yeah do the mm-hmm. ultimate fuck you song as Christmas number one <laughs> which was yeah at it, the time it was when a reach. I was like ah oh, come on guys come on as much as I would love for this to happen mm-hmm. when I did I thought no uh, it sort of continued to grow as things do on uh, social media platforms so it started to get bigger and then it started to get uh, Simon Cowell sort of called it cynical and sad or something and it started to get like holy fuck this is gaining yep this is gaining traction uh, and it, you know people tried to say it was like a conspiracy <laughs> they were they're on the same label so it worked out you know and other but it wasn't a bad I'd fuck all idea about it they nothing to do with it um, up to a point to a point where uh, until a week before it they chipped in with their support. Until, until they checked the bank account and all the 99p downloads of the Aye. single were coming. Like, Hold on a minute. <laughs> why, why are we getting 80 grand each from fucking the UK? <laughs> what is going on? Uh, it actually, it for me, I, 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 I thought there hadn't been as big a revolutionary move in, of that, no. uh, in fucking deck. And I, I genuinely, because I know it's, like, it's only music and it's not, you know, but what it, the statement it made to what was happening in the country of here's what you're being given by Mr. Kyle et al. You'll fucking take it and mm-hmm. we'll have the Christmas number one and that's what's going to happen. And we'll and always have it for, it for how long? They, oh, they'd already had it for whatever number of years oh, it was, six or seven years. And, you know, there's only so much people can take. Because like, people are like, oh, well, fuck, it's only Christmas number one. Nobody cares. But when you get to like number years, number six and seven, you're going, it's not right. Mm. You know, it's not doesn't that because they're not you know there's no talent i'm not gonna say they're not talented because i don't want to start the the wrath of x-factor fans which i can imagine there are fucking zero listening to this at this point yeah <laughs> now if we fucked with justin bieber oh jesus i know there's at least a handful for of out, boys that are for our beeps uh but uh, it basically was cover songs usually was being done um, by an x-factor winner and it was a christmas number one yeah, and you just didn't a, give a fuck it's but a vocal th- performance over a song that they had nothing to do with as a teenager i was always interested in christmas number one because you were a fucking teenager. Yeah, of course you were pre-internet again and you're sitting going now i didn't give a fuck but this 2009 i was fucking bastard <laughs> i had it downloaded i thought it might actually happen 
uh, and of course, as history tells us, it did. <laughs> it did, and it was fucking glorious. Uh, so what happened? The the song was up against Joe McGeldry. Joe from up the road. Joe from up the road, who was singing "The Climb," which oh, was. And it's, have you listened to it recently? No. It came up when I I head into something about this. Just uh, looking around. Had recently played. I said, "Yeah, hunting." No, and, I, and it played before the live footage of Rage playing "Killing the Name," right. and it played his song over it. Oh, oh boy! So, uh, as if, uh, I mean, uh, there there really wasn't a better year for it to happen because you've got a fucking boy called Joe McGeldry singing a cover version of a Miley Cyrus song. Yeah. And was going to make it. He was on his way. He was sure a shoe in for number one. And uh, so I remember listening into the charts. <laughs> like the tension in our house. I was like, fucking this is going to happen. <laughs> Can't fucking wait. And he was like, why, why, why are you worried? I was like, it's fucking, it means something. Fucking means mm-hmm. something. Shut up. Um, so the way they do the whole chart thing, blah, 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 and then they go, and number two. And yeah, there's a reveal, big reveal. Big long it. wait. And I was like, and then. It started to play the claim. I was like, "Yeah, I'd never been so happy to hear the claim in all my fucking life." Yeah. Uh, and that was job done. It uh, it went to number one, and I think it did stop. I don't think there's an X Factor number one since. So we're ten years on now. I don't uh, I think. think yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think there's been an X Factor number one. There may have been other like reality type things or whatever. I know the. <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm going to say it, but say it. Fucking, we built this city on sausage rolls. What? <laughs> What is no hold on pause? What are you talking about? We built this city on sausage rolls. The fuck is that? That was last year's Christmas number one. Last year? I'm nearly sure. Who I who is who who did? You need yeah not you need lad. What are you going lad baby? Another couple. I oh, know. I oh, know. Oh, I'm away here. Fuck us. We built this city on <laughs> sausage rolls. <laughs> Why did? So I don't know if rage is a good thing or not. <laughs> because this is the problem of revolution, people. When you free the people, yep. you get, we built this city on sausage rolls. You give them the freedom to do what they want. <laughs> and then when they do what they want. Sausage rolls comes into play. What happened after that then, after that number one, you, you, you sort of alluded to it earlier, uh, they did a free gig in Finsbury Park, Park. to 40,000 people. I think it was, was it not more? Is it, uh, it was I, fucking I, huge. I thought I read 40,000, but it was fucking, it looked immense. You know what else looks immense? I just looked at the set list of Oxygen. Fuck oh, me, mate, it was a wild fucking They show. don't hit one song in this album until the fourth song. Mm-hmm. That's how good it was. That's how good. Oh, I mean, it was... I, I, like, I remember, like, actually Stan just... When they started playing, and Morello just started kicking in, just, like, actually jaw, just Stan. Now, obviously, the 14 pints of cider would have had a lot to do with that, too, but... Uh, <laughs> 14 pints of cider... Uh, to watch that skill, I made sure. No, I, you're right. Forty thousand. I'm a dick. Sorry. I, I had I had uh, sort of <laughs> departed from the rest of the clan to make sure I was at the fucking front to watch it because I was like, oh, you went off. to the front. No, I went up near the front. What are you that. doing? Fuck, I'm fucking mosh pit king. Boy. What? You're not the mosh pit king. You've got a bad knee. I didn't have then. You, pr- you probably started it. Probably did I? But in fairness, I knocked out a few fucking knees myself. I you know. <laughs> There, and all. there was a few pop Get away from me. Like, oh, we'll tell you a couple of dolls sent flying to the world. Seventeen years after the album comes out, then we have a cr- at number one again, which is sort of brings us back to <laughs> the topic, which is the album, and that's sort of maybe a testament to how much it is thought about in regards it's to 
the ultimate anti-establishment, fuck you, we will do what we want type thing. And, and even if you're not, if that's not your bag at all, mm. and you're not into that type of thing, which a lot of people are not, yeah, absolutely, it's still a fucking banger of an album from yeah. back to front. And oh, yeah. there isn't a, a weak link song-wise in the whole album. Ten songs, cracked out in no time. Mm-hmm. And it's important now for political reasons, because clearly the situations we're in... Um, worldwide at the minute and it resonates every song resonates to a certain situation so it just means that politics never really fucking changes it no. just it just changes color like. uh, and the anti-capitalist nature of what they're talking about it's it's actually probably resonates more today than ever before except nobody's doing what they were doing which was opening their fucking eyes to it literally the song wake up and you know it's that's a that's a testament to what the, the record industry is doing at the minute yeah when your biggest artists are just teenage girls singing about how they're depressed when they sleep and all this bullshit then there's no room for that type of no. band in a oh, there's major plenty of, oh, there's, oh there's, plenty, there's there's ones out plenty, there plenty of woke people you hear but they're woke? not getting uh, they're definitely not getting their songs out there no they're not playing it to own like yeah um this has been i think this is the last band who were actually awake in the sense that they they really got out the corporations they really mm-hmm. got out the 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 belly of the beast in regards to the elite I don't see anybody doing that since they we've shut all down the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, we've we've fucking we've just bowed down to them, and nobody is willing to stand up. Yes, we're all woke about equality and stuff like that, but what the fuck's the point of having equality if you're a slave? Mm-hmm. You know, you're an economic slave, and you will be forever. And they are shouting about that in 1992, and here mm-hmm. we are in 2019, going, oh, but how long here? We need we need to have equal rights. Well, it, it fucking sort out the fucking yeah. Sort out the control situation first, and then we'll talk about rights. Um, but again, if you keep the confines of your bar or your your the the confines of your argument to to one end or the other, and just keep it within them barriers, well then you're grand. But if you think outside that box, fuck you. And they were doing that with raising. They were doing that. They were and thinking even way outside what the the narrative was from the media or whatever. They were. Yeah. And I think that's maybe what scared especially the American government, might be a reason why it didn't do as well as it did. Because they were really hitting fucking home. They were. When you went on their website, when websites first started up, they had a section just for books and propaganda where you can just go and look up these revolutionary books and go and purchase them. And that that to any government is terrifying. Absolutely. Yeah. But if you've anything to hide, you wouldn't be scared. <laughs> yeah. So. Aye, well, yeah. Therein is the crux of the problem. But I think we've just solved it. We have. And uh, I think... Um, we've just solved all the problems. Pretty much all of them. I think here, they, here. They, no, no bother world, no bother. We may uh, diabetes isn't completely solved, but we're, we're everything. I'll, else, I'll everything give else. me an hour. I look up stuff about diabetics, and then I will get her solved. Listen, uh, on that note, I mean, there doesn't get much more raids than a man going to fucking Google about diabetes for two hours. Um, oh so no, no, I said an hour. Will it take two? No, no, forget that. That's the problem. We'll leave that problem going. There's there's where the issue arises. Okay. I mean, when we... We will finish with this. uh, Raising as a machine who were asked on to BBC Radio 5. Like, (laughs) it's the worst. Why the fuck? (laughs) Right. I know nothing about this before this, so I am as fresh to this as you are listening to it. But the first thought that's into my mind is, who the fuck booked them? Yeah. Well, they had to, I suppose. I mean, this is the joy of what happened in two thousand and nine. Is that when you get to Christmas number one? I think if you get the if you get the number one any other week of the year, nobody gives a flying fuck. 
But you get the Christmas number one, so they it's it's the topic for that week because right. there's nothing really else to fucking talk about usually. So uh, you've got Radio Five Live who ask Rage Against the Machine to come in and do a lovely wee afternoon session. And would you play your Christmas number one hit for us? And now we know there's lockout expletives, but will you not say them? And the boys was, was it definitely Radio Five Live. I guess uh-huh, Sports Five Live. Yeah, no, it is Sports, but it was a hell of a show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what? There's <coughs> no relevance why. at all. Like, what are no they doing? No relevance at all. It was um, it was a talk show <laughs> thing. Thing. This was their this is their way of ending the show, and uh, and Zach and the boys. Now, in all fairness to them, they did agree. They said we'll we'll not we'll we'll cut the words out, and we'll let you listen to it here. And well, you will hear. Actually, the boys did. They 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 didn't. Um, they started off not saying the words. Good boys. Good boys. So they said they would. Uh, there we go. He meant the fuck yous. Yeah. I won't do what you tell me. You, 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 I Go in, fuck yourself. Oh, what a stupid <laughs> bunch of bastards. Uh, we asked them not to do it, but, but they did it anyway. Of the course lyric is, fuck yeah, you. Fucking, yeah. I won't do what you tell me. And they, they, they didn't do what we told them. Aye. It's the lyric. It's their whole MO. Oh, it's everything about them. Uh, so if you get a chance, go and check that out. It's the five live video because as uh, it's so cool the way they wait till the, till the break comes. for the, the And it it's drops. the bit everybody wants to hear. Everybody wants Everybody's to hear. Everybody's jamming it and then went, hold on. Uh, and then, and, and as well as that, just to add salt and injury because of some video, he makes sure he gives the fucking finger to every oh, really? single... Oh, the video. <laughs> as soon as he kicks into the fuck you, he's doing the finger the whole way across to all the producers, yeah. all the cameramen, all that stuff. What are they going to do? <laughs> not know. play their music on a yeah. sport network? Not going to play Who their... Cares, not going to play a song that they released 17 years ago. <laughs> Nobody thought that through. Like. No. So Brilliant. that's Brilliant why we love Rage. That's why we love that first album. The first album still has uh, it's, it's a, a lasting legacy that <laughs> still uh, means an awful lot to a lot of people. And I think it is the ultimate anthem, if you want to call it that, for the yeah. fuck the establishment. It's brilliant. If, I haven't if, heard you, it if you haven't heard it or you have heard it and you haven't listened to Public Enemy or The Clash or any bands like that, do. Because you'll hear a lot of influence. But if you haven't heard this album and you're listening to this, mm-hmm. instant. Oh, classic. Buy it. Don't Spotify it. Buy it. Buy it. Sticker um, on the car, the car uh, 3D player. <laughs> and uh, Turn up the bass. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to turn up the own bass, boys. Turn her up to the titties. Right. Uh, we want to thank you very much for listening. We will be back again uh, next week. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you go and listen to some rage. And uh, that's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Uh. I think that would be. Uh, uh, is that a goodbye? Uh. That'll do. <laughs>